the first story that we looked at uh, in large group uh, was two weeks ago. Uh, it was the story about a bad sower. We started with this question, if God made a good world, why does it look the way that it does? You know, if God made a good world, why is it so messed up? And in the story that Jesus told, he explained to us that an enemy has done this. Right, God made a good world, but an enemy has broken it. God's good world, right? Broken by the devil uh, and broken by sin. The next story that we looked at last week was a story not of about a bad sower, but about a good sower. If the devil broke God's good world, what is God doing about it? That's really the question that we sort of held before us. And in last week's story, Jesus introduced us to a good sower. And the good sower is working and he's walking in the midst of God's contaminated world. Right? It's a field full of rocks and shallow soil and thorns. But he is sowing seed, which is to say he's preaching God's word. And he's doing this all over the place. Right? On the path, on, on shallow soil, amongst the thorns, on the good soil too. So that everyone everywhere might have a chance to hear and be saved right? and believe. Well, today Jesus tells us another story with imagery that is borrowed from the field or from the farm. But it's not a sower or a farmer that we meet, but a shepherd uh, who goes after lost sheep. So let's take a look at this passage uh, together. This, the story that Jesus tells is found in Luke 15. Uh, in verses 1 through 10. Y'all, I've got pieces of paper with it on it if you, and some pens there. If you want to grab a sheet, you, you're free to do so, right? And underline and make notes. But I'm going to read uh, from here. Luke 15, uh, 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, that is to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine and the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me. I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, giving us your word. Thank you for giving us uh, your son. Um, Jesus, I pray that by your spirit, you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to understand what it is you want to impart to us tonight. Uh, I pray that um, you would become more beautiful and believable in our sight. And I ask these things in your name. Uh, Amen. Luke 15, right? 1 to 10. Before we unpack these stories that Jesus tells right here, I think it's really helpful for us to know why Jesus told them in the first place. Tax collectors um, and sinners are drawing near to Jesus. You see that right there in verse 1. And uh, Jesus is receiving them. Jesus is not turning them away. Jesus is not saying, gross, right? Get away from me. 
Like, I don't want to be near you. On the contrary, Jesus is saying to them, come. Come and be with me. Like, let's hang out. And this is upsetting people. Like, they're upset because Jesus is hanging out with traitors. Jesus is hanging out with losers, with drug addicts, the sexually broken. Like, Jesus is hanging out with the girl everybody on campus is calling a slut. Jesus is hanging out with the guy who's failing out of his classes because he smokes too much pot. Jesus is hanging out with the homeless and the heroin junkies on Church Street. Jesus is hanging out uh, with people who've never been to church uh, and, as far as we can tell, want to keep it that way. Like, Jesus is hanging out with them. And this is driving the Pharisees and the scribes crazy. The Pharisees and the scribes were the fundamentalists uh, in Jesus' day and age. Uh, For the Pharisees, it's all about keeping the rules and keeping up appearances. They're not perfect people, but they want you to think that they are. And they pride themselves, right, on not being like those other folks, right, people like I just mentioned. In so many words, friends, the Pharisees and the scribes are the insiders, and they hate the fact that Jesus is spending so much time with those outsiders. So Jesus told them this parable. I love that. Verse 3, right? So Jesus told them uh, this parable. Jesus told them these stories because Jesus wanted them to know who God is and what his heart is like. And Jesus wanted to teach them and to us also what it means to be a friend of God. They're complaining, right? So Jesus told them these parables so that we might understand who God is and what his heart is like and what it means to be God's friend. These are the things that we're going to look at tonight. First of all, right, these stories that Jesus tells, they reveal God's heart for the lost. God loves outsiders, and he wants to bring them into his fold. Okay, that's really the main point of these stories. God loves outsiders. He wants to bring them into his fold. Well, the stories themselves are relatively simple, right, and straightforward. A shepherd has a hundred sheep. He loses one, and he goes looking for it. He doesn't shrug his shoulders and say, huh, I've got 99. Rather, he leaves the 99 in order to find the lost one. Similarly, right, a woman has ten silver coins. She loses one. And she goes looking for it. Like the shepherd, she doesn't shrug her shoulders and say, eh, I've got nine coins. She lights a lamp and she sweeps the house until she finds the lost coin. What do these stories teach us about the heart of God? Well, first of all, it teaches us that God loves the individual. That's the first thing it teaches us is that God loves the individual. You know, John 3.16 Um, which we're not looking at tonight, but you see sometimes people holding up signs like at at sporting events, John 3, 16, you're like, what is that? It might be one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's, It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Y'all, the first part of that verse is really not that controversial. Most people would agree with that, that first part, for God so loving the world. 
It's easy for us to believe that God loves the world. It's easy for us to believe that God loves abstractly, that God loves the world, that God loves humanity. It's a whole lot harder for us to believe that God actually loves me. That's a whole lot harder to believe. It's hard to believe that God personally cares for you and for me and all 7.5 billion one of us on this planet with the same care uh, and attention that a father shows his son or his daughter. When I was a kid, um, Peanuts was a pretty famous and popular cartoon strip. You all know Peanuts' characters like Charlie Brown and Linus and Lucy and Snoopy. Uh, Oddly enough, they actually just came out with a Peanuts movie last year. I don't know if any of you saw it. I doubt. (laughs) Like You did. I did. not You saw it. What did you think? Eh. (laughs) It was okay. I I can't vouch for the movie, but the comic strip was at least cool when I was a kid. There was a pretty famous cartoon strip uh, where Lucy says to her brother Linus, Linus, right, you can never be a doctor. He's kind of looking at her like, hmm? She says, the reason why is because you don't love mankind. That's why you can't be a doctor. And Linus looks at Lucy for a moment, staring at her, and then he shouts back to her, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. I love mankind, but it's people I can't stand. You know, I think a lot of us think that God relates to us that way. That God loves mankind, but it's people he can't stand. God loves the world, but there's no way that he loves me. You could go further to say, I mean, why would he? Right? I'm so puny. I'm so messy. I'm so sinful. I'm just a nobody. But here's the thing that these stories teach us. If you think that way, you misunderstand the heart of God. God loves the individual which is honestly, friends, to say that God loves you. Right? He leaves the 99 for the one. Not only does God love the individual, uh, God loves the lost. Jesus tells a story uh, about a lost sheep. But did you notice that in the telling of this story, there are 99 sheep who don't get lost? Did you ever think of that? 99 sheep following the shepherd, right? 99 sheep keeping their eyes on him, doing all the sorts of things a good shepherd or a good sheep is supposed to do. But if you look over here, right, there's this lost sheep, right, who's not with the pack, who's not with the program. Why? Like, is this sheep stupid? Is this sheep over here like a rebel? Why is it lost? Jesus doesn't say. And frankly, Jesus doesn't care. We don't know how this lost sheep got into its mess. We don't know why it got lost. We don't know what particular choices it made, good or bad. And in the end, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't. What does matter is that the shepherd loves his sheep. What does matter is that no matter what, He wants to get his lost sheep back. God loves the lost. The the lost are incredibly valuable in his sight. And you can ask, well, just how valuable are they? Well, consider this. The lost one is just as valuable to the shepherd than all the 99 put together. 
the lost one is just as valuable as the 99 put together. The lost coin is just as important to that woman as all the nine that she had. And mathematically, that doesn't make very much sense. Like if you are mathematically minded, you can come to me after a large group and say, that makes no sense whatsoever. But friends, love doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I can't explain to you why God loves us the way that we do. Like it doesn't really make much sense to me why the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, would care for me as much as he does. But just because I don't understand that doesn't make it untrue. Just because I don't, can't make sense of that doesn't make it untrue. God loves the lost. Right? He loves the lost very, very much. Furthermore, right, God loves outsiders and he's willing to go to great lengths in order to bring them into his fold. In the story that Jesus tells, the shepherd leaves the 99 and he heads into the open country, which is to say he heads into the wilderness in order to find the lost sheep. Well, the wilderness described here is not a pleasant place. It is not a Disney-esque glen filled with shimmering waterfalls and furry friends of the forest. That is not what is being described here. It is not Camel's Hump State Park. It's not the top of Mount Mansfield. The, the wilderness that Jesus is describing is a dry and desolate place. Actually, not too different from what that picture of what you saw of the desert. That's what he's talking about. It is a place associated with death. And significantly, right, the shepherd is willing to go there in order to get his sheep back. And this is not some half-hearted search, like, here, sheepy, 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 Right? This is a harrowing rescue mission. The shepherd is willing to go anywhere and to do just about anything in order to get his sheep back. Like he's willing to risk his life. He's willing to die. And we see the same thing uh, in Luke 15:8, where the woman searches diligently until her lost coin is found. And the actions described in that verse, uh, in verse 8, lighting a lamp, sweeping the house, searching diligently, all of these verbs call attention to the great lengths that this woman is willing to go to uh, in order to look for her lost coin, right? And in some ways bring it back into her fold, right? The fold of her wallet. You can imagine her house just turned upside down, right? The couches, uh, the cushions off of it and everything, right? It's a mess. But she's willing to do that, right? To get her lost one back. God loves the lost, God loves the outsiders. He's willing to go to great lengths in order to bring them back into his fold. Friends, what's more, God rejoices when the lost are found. He rejoices when the lost are found in both of these stories, right? The shepherd as well as the woman rejoice when the lost are found. The shepherd lays the lost sheep on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he gathers his friends and his neighbors and says, come over, right? Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. And the woman too, when she finds the lost coin, uh, she calls together her friends and she calls together her neighbors and says, rejoice with me. Right? Rejoice with me. I found the coin that I had lost. And this sets us up for the second part of our sermon today. 
talking about what it means to be a friend of God. Because you see, God rejoices when the lost are found, yet the Pharisees and the scribes are complaining. They are complaining because they don't know who God is, and they don't know what his heart is like. And in so doing, they reveal who they are and what their hearts are truly like. In their complaint, right, in their callousness, they reveal that they are not friends of God. They do not love the same things that he loves. They do not rejoice with him. And this brings us to the second point of this sermon and the second point that Jesus wants to impress upon you tonight. If God loves outsiders and he's willing to go to great lengths to bring them into his fold, friends of God are those who love the lost too. God rejoices when the lost are found. Friends of God rejoice too. Okay. This story or these stories present us with a great test. You know you're a friend of God when you love the things that he loves. You're a friend of God when you love the lost. Right? You're a friend of God when you seek them out. You are a friend of God when you rejoice when they are found. And the, scri- the Pharisees and the scribes are not doing any of these things. They don't love the outsider. They're not pursuing them, but judging them. They're not moving close, but moving far. Like They're keeping their distance. And when Jesus receives them and rejoices when they are found, they complain. They are not acting like God's friends. So Jesus told them this parable. Jesus told them these stories. Not simply, right, to explain some things to them. Right? Not just to explain to them what the, who God is and what his heart is like, but in order to elicit a response. You see, Jesus wants to get them to repent too. Jesus is showing us and he's showing them what it means to be God's friend, right? A friend of God is someone who rejoices, and you're not rejoicing, right? And since they are not rejoicing, they need to repent. They need to turn around, and they need to turn towards Jesus, and they, re- they need to relearn who God is, right? They need to relearn what his heart is like, and they need to relearn what it means to be God's friend. The Pharisees and the scribes need to repent. Right? They are not the 99 persons that Jesus is talking about who don't need to repent. They desperately need to do so. You know, it's not just the people who are out there. Right? It's not just the people who didn't come to large group tonight. Right? right? Who need to turn around and get right with God. Like all of us in this room, we need to do the same thing. This is a time for us to search ourselves. Or really to say, like, let God's Spirit search me. Because do I look down on my nose at people who do not look like me, or think like me, or talk like me, or dress like me? Am I judgmental? Like, when you see people hurting, do you move towards them, or do you slowly back away? Do you believe that you've earned God's love? Like, do you think that the reason God loves you is because of your moral performance, that I'm a good person? And if you believe that you've earned God's love, do you think that you can lose it? Jesus wants to challenge that. And he wants to challenge you. 
And he wants to call you to repentance too. For being judgmental, like for being insular, for holding onto wrong ideas about who God is and what he is like, and for not acting like his friend. Y'all, tonight Jesus has painted a portrait about of who God is and what his heart is like. And the funny is, the funny thing is, it's a self-portrait. Like Jesus is painting a portrait of himself. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. To say that he gave us Jesus. He gave us a good shepherd. He gave us a shepherd who knows his sheep by name. Who goes after them when they're lost. Right? Who leaves the comfort of his home to go on a daring rescue mission. Right? In order to bring them back. Who's willing to face death. And indeed, who does face death in order to bring them back. Right? And not just that. Who rejoices when they're found. Right? Jesus is the good shepherd. Right? That you and I need. But Jesus is not just telling us who he is. He's telling us who we ought to be. He wants us to be his friends. He wants us to be men and women who love the lost like he loves the lost. And men and women who rejoice when they are found. And this is why Jesus is telling us to turn around. It doesn't matter whether you're an insider or an outsider. Jesus wants you to turn around, to turn around from your sin, to turn towards the face of Jesus, to turn towards the face of your good shepherd. And here's the thing, friends. You're not going to be able to hear it tonight. But when you do that, and it's true every time you do this, there's a party happening in heaven. You can't hear it, but it's happening. Right? When you turn around, and you turn towards Jesus in repentance. This is something Jesus wants you to do, and he wants me to do tonight and tomorrow, right? All year long, for the rest of your life, right? Let's pray.